Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored once again by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Here at the Business Creators Radio Show, we are a from-the-field, laptop lifestyle-type podcast. Right now, as you listen to me, you probably hear a little bit of ambient noise in the background. There's a conversation over at the other table. They're telling some jokes. They're having a good time. And I want you to think about this. How many times have you been in situations where you've been in a private mastermind, whether you're in a bar, whether you're at the networking reception before the seminar, whether you're in a cocktail lounge after the seminar, you're at the cigar shop, you're out at the outdoor cafe, and... The ambient noise is about you, but as you tune in and you hear the brilliance and the passion that are being shared, you find that aha moment that could be truly transformational for your cash flow, for your trajectory, and from your future as an entrepreneur who serves your community, market, and audience. Sometimes I film these episodes from my sumptuous Las Vegas balcony. Sometimes I do them when I'm out hanging about. And hopefully they'll stop telling their jokes soon. But at any rate, we are here today, and I urge you to have your pad of paper and two pens out to capture those aha moments that will move you forward. We are going to have an exciting conversation with my new friend, Sean Rosenstiel, who is the founder of Savvy Pro Web. What we're going to be discussing are some of the costly mistakes entrepreneurs make when hiring website vendors. And as I was saying to Sean just a moment ago in the green room, We have something in common because I used to be a website vendor going back about 10 years when I used to brand myself as the website surgeon. And if you look, bing the Yahoo, all the Googles, you may still find a picture of me wearing an actual surgeon's gown because I was crazy with my branding on that. Let me tell you about Sean. He's a lifelong entrepreneur and he now owns a company that builds professional websites that increase credibility, generate leads and win clients. So after being taken advantage of in his first business and going bankrupt, I almost went there myself, Sean began building and marketing websites. He quickly realized how often his entrepreneurial clients were getting ripped off by digital marketers and had rather get a root canal than deal with another tech-talking website vendor. I know I'm still in the read-off-your-official bio point, but my phrase is, I'd rather be lobotomized with a butter knife without anesthesia. Anyway, <laughs> Savvy Pro Web exists to ensure every entrepreneur makes better, more informed website decisions so they never have to go through the feeling of being taken advantage of again. Sean has a degree in entrepreneurship from the University of St. Thomas, runs his company on EOS, the Entrepreneur Operating System, is a story brand certified guide. I love stories and is a proud member of Strategic Coach. He resides in Dallas, Texas, a city I love, with his wife, Karen, and their three beautiful children. Whew. Come on, Sean Rosenstiel, jump on in. The weather's fine. Adam, thanks for having me, my friend. That was quite the intro. Thank you. Now, the first thing we do on these shows is we read off the official bio. And yours is so impressive. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here 
and this is my show. But what we want to do is we want to turn it over to you for a minute and tell us a bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, as you mentioned in the bio, um, I graduated with a degree in entrepreneurship. That was an accident, by the way, Adam, because my sophomore year, when it was time to declare my major, I noticed that entrepreneurship was an option and had eight less credit requirements than marketing. So I sort of did that because I figured I'd have an easier senior year that way. So I ended up graduating with that degree, thought I knew everything and uh, opened my first business. And unfortunately, three short years later, went bankrupt. However, I will tell you that I learned some of my greatest lessons in life and business through that you know, period of time. So I wouldn't give that up for the world, but I ended up hiring a, a vendor who you know, basically promised me that he could help me with my growth goals. I had some pretty ambitious goals back in my early 20s, and I didn't really do my due diligence on this person, and I was somewhat negligent in my decision. And that singular decision actually led to bankruptcy. The, that was in real estate, by the way. And then the only other thing I knew how to do was build and market websites because I was doing that for my real estate clients. So I figured, well, you know, why not move over to the web world and uh, open up a you know web design, development, and marketing business? So my wife and I, actually my fiance at the time, and I co-founded the business together. That was about fourteen years ago. Right. Uh, so it's been quite a journey. We've certainly evolved, like all of us have, as far as you know who we serve, what we do, all the rest of it, but. I love entrepreneurs, uh, especially high growth entrepreneurs. I die on a hill for this, these people. These are my types of people who have the courage to go out and blaze their own trail and um, you know, create, create jobs for other people and whatnot. So happy to be here and I'm, I'm thrilled to be in front of your audience today. So thank you. Absolutely. So as I mentioned a moment ago, I used to be a website vendor. I owned a website development firm and I cannot tell you how many stories I have of people who tripped over themselves and made costly mistakes. And as we go through our conversation, some of these are going to come up. But really what we want to do first, we want to get you to put your frame on it from the perspective of being a website vendor and your altruistic desire to help our listeners avoid some of these costly mistakes. So you mentioned digital marketers who rip you off. And I have friends who are digital marketers. We've had digital marketers who have been guests on this show. To a one, they're good people because I only associate with good people. They actually care about their clients. They try not to rip them off. Uh, But I have also heard some of the horror stories from digital marketers who get into the website game. So how do digital marketers rip you off? Yeah, I think the language is harsh, but it's happening. Um, I'm sure you can attest to the, you know, I'm sure you've heard a lot of horror stories back in the day uh, when you were involved with this industry. But um, yeah, I think, you know, oftentimes, to be fair, it it comes down, Adam, to one of those, like, I believe anyway, that it's one of those, you know, when you when you use a hammer, everything looks at like a nail. Yes. So if I am special, if I'm a digital marketer specialized in Twitter ads and I see some client success, I want to scream from the rooftops that Twitter ads work. Right. Um, I wish I wish more digital marketers would do a little bit more investigation, due diligence to identify, okay, who is this prospect and where do their clients hang out? Because the clients I serve typically don't have audiences on Twitter. They happen to be, you know, visionaries. They happen to be moving at the speed of light. They drive culture 
And they're typically small businesses, anywhere from about one to let's say 25 million, anywhere from maybe as little as five people all the way upwards of 50 people as far as staff. And oftentimes the clients we serve are service-based. They provide a service. They're a handshake sort of a business. They could be an insurance, financial services. They could be HVAC companies, plumbing companies, but ultimately they, they provide a service. So typically in their best interests, it's not to necessarily go all out and run ads on Twitter. <laughs> you know, a lot of our clients have, you know, audiences on LinkedIn, some on Facebook, but I think the trouble that we get into as digital marketers is we we learn a new thing. Like for example, you mentioned StoryBrand. I'm in love with StoryBrand. I think it's the most brilliant communication framework ever created. And it's that the element of story that can so powerfully cut through all the noise that we tend to create as business owners online. Well, it doesn't mean it's good for everybody, right? I'm sure there are certain exceptions to every rule and it doesn't mean that story brand is, you know, the key element of communication and messaging for every business out there. I know it works for a lot of them, but I have to also make sure that I'm not being too overly biased in my approach. So when I have a discovery call with a client at times, you know, there could be an example where, Hey, you know what? Based on your e-commerce site, for example, which we don't necessarily do, maybe story brand isn't the right approach for you. Right. So I think more of, of us digital marketers need to just have sort of this unbiased guidance approach where we truly become a guide and we truly coach people through what is it that they want, what is it that they need, et cetera. And if it's something that we don't serve, or if we have a solution that isn't in their best interest, hopefully we can refer them on to you know, greener pastures. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, that, you know, you bring up a point, it gets to the point where if I see somebody, if I see somebody's website, I can almost tell what firm they worked with because of that whole hammer nail thing. And I'll acknowledge this much and my podcast reach system, which is my business where I work with entrepreneurs to create their podcasts. We use the same WordPress theme for all the websites we create. We use different variations of it, and we season it to the taste and the brand of whatever that client is doing. But it gets to the point where somebody can see a website and they know it's a reach website, not to mention that we put Powered by the Podcast reach system in the um, in the footer and nobody ever complains, but all the same. Sure. Um, now, that is natural because when a company has something that works that they are comfortable and familiar with, they want to keep doing that because that allows them to produce more faster and to more effectively cross the learnings you get from one client into another. Sure. However, I do see the whole, um, you're holding a hammer, so everything's a nail thing. So if somebody uh, has a couple successes with Twitter ads, they're going to want to get every client to do Twitter ads. And for some clients, Twitter is not even an appropriate form for them to be on, much less invest in. Right, uh, and right. it can be maybe it can be the same with many other kinds of business. I mean, this would be like if uh, I took the podcast reach system on to say, um, I'm going to be really facetious here. Let's say I took podcast reach and tried to do it on Tinder. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I and I hate to say, it, but some of these stories that we see are almost that ridiculous in terms of trying to uh, make everything a nail when you're wielding the hammer. Whereas, you know, you know that when you are a an expert and you are somebody who serves a variety of customers, you have a toolbox. Some situations call for the hammer. Some call for the pliers. Some call for the wrench. 
It just all depends on who that client is. And I think it's important for entrepreneurs to also be aware of this. So first of my stories is my website development firm was driven entirely by referrals. I never marketed. I put up a website just so that I wasn't that website guy who had no website of his own and I blogged to it and stuff like that. But it wasn't my, it wasn't really my marketing. I just put up a website so people could see, Hey, I'm a web guy, but Hey, look, I have a website too. So I wasn't a faker. That, that was the extent of my concern about it. And uh, I think I paid about a thousand dollars for it because I just wanted to have a website so people could look at it and see I had one. Uh, now, um, my business is almost entirely referral driven. So I got most of my clients from allies of mine who ran masterminds. And these masterminds were based off that entrepreneur's coaching program. Hmm. The person who owned that coaching and mastermind would have their website done a certain way. And naturally, when you're in a mastermind and you have a coach, you want to do what your coach tells you and you believe your coach is successful. And if you emulate them, you'll have that same success. Again, a fallacy because not every round peg fits in a square hole. Sure. So I would get these referrals and I would attempt to take the approach of, does this call for the hammer? Does this call for the wrench? Does this call for the screwdriver? And their, and the, and the, and the client's bottom line was, well, make me basically just what my coach has, just put my name on it. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, I didn't feel, I mean, even though, even though basically they were screaming, take my money, <sighs> I wasn't real comfortable with that because I didn't feel like I was being valued. It's like I was, I was a ticket filler rather than an expert. And I didn't want to be that. Sure. So after, so after a few of these, my thing began to be, all right, here's the deal. I didn't design your coach's website. However, if all you want is your coach's website, exactly with your name on it, as you said, then perhaps you might want to ask your coach who built their website and just work with them because they already have the templates. Sure. Yeah. Um, So that's one of my pieces of advice to people to help them avoid costly mistakes from my end is just because your coach does it doesn't mean it's right for you. Um, Sure. And if you have an effective coach, not everything your coach does or recommends will be right for you. In fact, a truly effective coach works with you to bring out the best in you and to encourage you to argue your points and make your case for what you're doing is valuable and give you the mindset of being willing to experiment on your own terms with your own audience within your own brilliance and your own passion to find what works best for you. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's such an important point, Adam. I mean, we're, our businesses are like snowflakes. You know, we have different service levels, different products. We have different clientele, different prospects, audiences, target markets, whatever you want to call them. So we really, our business really deserves to have marketing collateral, including your website that is unique to us and who we are and what we offer, right? Right. Now, why do so many digital marketing campaigns fail? I I hear enough stories last a lifetime. So I'm just going to ask you the question, let you take it. Yeah. Yeah. So we have what we call our proven growth formula, and we believe that a lot of digital marketing campaigns fail because we're simply not putting the right things in the right order. So for example, a lot of prospects come in and they have, you know, X amount of visitors on their website per month. They don't understand their conversion 
right? They don't know how many leads they're generating off of their existing visitors and they want to run Google ads or they want to run Facebook ads. I mean, we're, we're entrepreneurs, so we're very you know, excited about going on offense and investing money for more traffic and all that stuff. But the problem is we're just adding fuel to the fire and we're not necessarily going to get a, a net result that's any different if we don't fix what's broken first. So a lot of digital marketing campaigns, they deploy money is spent on ads, traffic comes to the site, traffic leaves the site without whatever action the business is intending for their visitors to take. And unfortunately, we feel like we're left holding an empty bag when that happens. Now, there is a benefit to collecting data. I mean, one way of looking at it is, hey, we're paying for information. We're paying for data here so that we can iterate and optimize and get better. And I appreciate that. At the same time, if we have visitors on our website and they're not doing what we want them to do, there's an opportunity to fix what's already there, right? So we always start with what we call presence. You know, how, how, how strong is your online presence? So we always recommend making sure that your website is strong and making sure that your conversion rate is strong because once you have a strong defense in place, we call that a strong defense. Now you can go and play offense and hopefully generate a more positive return on that marketing investment. And like anything else, we always recommend taking a walk before you run approach. So we usually do like a 90-day sprint with our clients. So let's say our clients wanted to go off on a podcast campaign, for example. We'd usually recommend a 90-day sprint. Okay, yep. you know, try to meet this goal of X amount of guest appearances on podcasts for this quarter. Let's pop the hood every 30 days and see how it's going. And if it looks like it's working, let's do more of it. If it's not working, let's collect the information that's beneficial to us and let's pivot and move on to something else. And what's nice about so many of the digital marketing channels like Google ads and Facebook ads, et cetera, is you can get data in an afternoon, Adam, right? Yes. It's like, you don't have to wait. You know, I remember back in the day when we used to do SEO, it was a long time ago. You know, we, our clients would have to wait six to nine months just to really understand if their investment was going anywhere. And then, oh my gosh, if you popped the hood and found out that the website was broken, now you're really in trouble. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think a lot of us put the cart before the horse. So step one would be make sure your website works very well and it's delivering the results that you want. Step two is let's enhance the performance of that website. Is there any sort of a lead generator or some automation in place that we can offer some sort of an irresistible offer for our visitors so that they can, you know, help solve their problem, but also position us as that thought leader, as that guide in their journey. And then step three would be to, okay, now let's cautiously turn on the spigot a bit, turn it up a bit, and let's try whatever ad channel makes the most sense with a very limited amount of funds so that we can invest, see what happens, pivot if need be, otherwise do more of it. I, I often relate you know, an entrepreneur getting involved with digital marketing, like, like a casino. It's like, you're standing outside of the casino and most entrepreneurs walk into the casino with an, you know, open checkbook and an unlimited withdrawal ATM card. And they go to all the dealers, which is all the vendors and agencies. Right. And they, you know, they don't know what to do. And all of them are sitting there like, okay, let's go, you know, roll the dice. We're willing to, willing to sit down with you. You really have to have a, a seasoned guide before you walk into that casino that's going to you know, help you understand, okay, what's your loss limit here? What are you willing and able to invest 
in the hopes that this works. But of course, there's no guarantee. Marketing to me just is trial and error. I mean, it's the same thing. So right. what gives us the best chances of success? How do we measure all the data needed so that we have transparency into what's going on and we can make informed, educated decisions as to if this channel is lucrative or not? And at what point in time are we going to pull the plug and regroup so that we're not investing tens of thousands of dollars for you know, six, nine, 12 months at a crack before realizing that, oops, you know, this isn't the right approach? Yeah. I have two follow-up questions here. Um, first of all, you mentioned several ingredients uh, for websites to have in order to convert more visitors into leads. You mentioned a few of them just a moment ago. But if you were to pick that one key ingredient, the one thing that's most important, what would that be? It's going to surprise you. It's not what you think. I would say okay. it's, em- it's, it's empathy. Okay. So if you look at nine out of 10 websites, if you go to your own website, probably not yours, but, <laughs> but if but, you're listening. But, 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 you, but let me, but let, me make, let me interject with a point, but maybe so. Maybe. And, this is, and this is part of where your value comes in, Sean, is you see things from the outside looking in. This is another analogy. And this is the testimonial I give my coach, Captain Jim Palmer is somebody may come to me with a question or some help. And as their coach, I can give them a good answer. Mm-hmm. Now, I may be facing that same situation. And I need Jim to tell me. And he may give me the same answer that I would give somebody else if I were coaching them, if they were in a situation I was in. Sure. But here's the difference. Here's the difference. When you're in need of coaching or you have an issue you're trying to solve, you are in the tunnel, on the train, and you see that little pinpoint of light at the end of the tunnel, but otherwise you're in darkness. Your coach is outside waiting for the train to approach. Your coach is in the sunlight. They see the light. In, well fact, in fact, because the light is shining into the tunnel, they can probably see more in that tunnel than you can. Well said. That's where coaching comes in. Now, please continue. But I wanted to get that in there. Love that. No, it's it's a, it's a great metaphor. Well said. So I, I mentioned empathy as the key missing ingredient. And if you go to most websites, you'll notice that a, a lot of us talk about ourselves. We try to beat our own chests uh-huh. and establish our credibility and you know, uh, brag about our accolades and awards or testimonials and yep. go to our websites and it's all about us. And this is something that StoryBrand teaches. And by the way, if you're interested, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller is one of the most, again, powerful marketing books I've read, yeah. um, published about four years ago. Highly recommend that. I've probably sent that out as many times as I've sent out some of my other favorite books. It's definitely one of my top five for, for marketing anyway. But um, if you go to your website, just pay attention to see if you're talking about yourself because your visitor, it's kind of like going out on a date, right? Yeah. It's like, we all remember going out on dates where the person on the other side of the table did nothing but talk about themselves for an hour. And we were just like literally looking at our watch saying, check, please. Like, when is the check going to come? That's the experience we're giving our visitors, unfortunately. And what we really need to do is we need to talk about their problem a little bit more. We need to express that empathy, help them understand that we see them, we get them, we understand them, and that we have the competency to solve their problem and solve it well. And the moment you shift that language, the moment the copy and the imagery on your website shifts and you talk more about them than you talk about you, everything changes. It's quite an amazing thing. So I say empathy because I think so many of us are missing that mark. And so many of us are just boasting about our own companies 
And it becomes like now I've just like StoryBrand for me, Adam has kind of ruined browsing websites for me because mm-hmm. like I go to a website and it's like, you know, we are this since 1994, this. Whoop the freaking do. Yeah. Top five places. It's like, well, well, what's in it for me? Good for you. But I've got a problem. I'm the hero in my day. We all are the, you know, our own heroes in our own day. We wake up, we're trying to solve our own problems. It's like, well, good for right. you, but I need help. So do you, you know, do you get me? Do you have the competency to solve my problem? And if so, what do you need me to do to get in touch? And if we can unlock that, not only on our website, Adam, but everywhere in our sales and marketing communications, if we can unlock that and talk more about the problem, it's just a a massive shift. It's a massive transformation. And I'll say another thing is we put so much noise and clutter and content on our websites. I don't know why this is, but you know, a lot of people launch websites and then a couple of years go by and all of a sudden we've just got everything in the kitchen sink on it. I don't know if yeah. it's because we're trying to prove our credibility in the marketplace or, you know, we see a competitor hang a blog. So now we need to write blog content. I, I don't know why this is, but we need to discover what the controlling idea is of our companies. And when I say controlling idea, I mean like, what's the problem you solve? What's the controlling idea? You think about the movie Speed. Like talking yep. about story here, you think about the movie Speed and you know, the whole premise for 90 minutes kept us on the edge of our seats. Keanu Reeves is on a bus. There's a bomb. If the bus slows below a certain, you know, 53 miles per hour, whatever it was, mm-hmm. the bomb goes off and everyone dies. There wasn't any side stories about Keanu missing his 2 p.m. Great Clips appointment <laughs> you know, or like the person in seat, you know, seat 7A needing this or that and the other thing like that was the controlling idea for 90 minutes and it kept us hooked. It kept us entertained on the edge of our seats. We need to discover what the controlling idea is for our company. And the mistake we make is we talk about the 25 and a half problems we solve and not the one. Right. We discover like, what's that one problem? And we need to key in on that one narrative, that one controlling idea and stick to the script and hit it over and over and over again. And a lot of the clients we serve, they have like, 12 different service lines or 12 different revenue streams. It's like, yeah, but this one revenue stream accounts for 80% of your revenue. Everything else is ancillary. Everything else is complimentary. They're upsells, whatever else. But what if we key in on this one thing? And it's just magical things happen when you can just control the narrative of the company like that online, because all of a sudden people say, oh, I get it. It's easy to understand. I actually have that problem. You look like you're a good fit. You can do it. You've done it for others. Let me make that call or let me get that quote or let me schedule an appointment, you know, or whatever it is. Let me feed back to you because this is pretty profound stuff. You mentioned empathy before, and I interjected with that thing about uh, the the light, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel and the value of a coach. And that's why I've interjected that why you said after you said, but probably not your websites, Adam. Well, how do I know that? (laughs) <laughs> See, just speaking with you, and this is what I mean for our listeners when I say the Business Creators Radio Show is the true mastermind experience, and I include myself in that. I'm actually going to go take a look at my websites and make sure that my empathy is there. I like to think it is, but I'm going to give it a fresh set of eyes because I'm wondering if that's indeed the case or I've actually made the strongest possible case. Now, my primary line of business is working with entrepreneurs to help them launch their websites. And it's an our firm is called the Podcast Reach System. 
there are many reasons why somebody would launch a podcast. And one of the conceptions and one of the versions out there is, well, I want to get, uh, I want to use it to leverage my way into getting a major media, a major media show, or I want to get a million listeners and downloads, or I want to monetize. Okay. There are folks out there whose actual need is to connect with people powerfully so they can attract new clients, new alliance partners, new referral partners, get themselves booked on podcasts and stages, and build bridges between the degrees of separation that currently are between them and the people and opportunities they want to connect with now. So if you want to be a reacher, and that's what we call our clients, we call them reachers, we're looking for the people who want to use the podcast as their key networking client attraction and celebrity expert branding tool. So let's go through those three things. Networking. I, Sean, you're on social media. How many people send you friend requests or connection requests and you take a look at them and you say, well, I don't really know them, but we seem to have a lot of mutual friends and they seem cool. They don't seem like an asshole and uh, looks like they're talking about some interesting stuff. Wouldn't mind connecting with this person. So you click accept. Two seconds later, your DMs light up and it's one of three things. It's this long me, 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 me pitch. And by the way, would you like to schedule a call or it's that much? It's probably four things. Or they could be saying, hey, Sean, what's new with you? Okay, yeah, great. Small talk. I have time for this shit. Um, another could be that they, be, they, they send the first volley of a contrived conversation script that is transparently geared toward getting you to sit there while they pitch you. Or there's, hey, I'd like to get to know my connections in depth. Want to hop on a call? Which is usually code for, please, please call me or please let me call you so I can tell you about my business and hope you volunteer yourself as a client. How many of these options sound attractive to you? Zero. Okay. So imagine if somebody sent you a friend request and you looked, let's say you're on Facebook and they send you a connection request and you look at them and you say, oh, we have 42 mutual friends. Oh, they do this. So this, okay, this is compatible. Um, take 10 seconds to photo stalk them and go through their 15 most recent posts. Say, okay, they're not a spaz. Sure, I'll accept that request. And then your DMs light up. And it says, hey, Sean, nice to meet you. I have a podcast. Want to be on it? What's your response? Well, my response is better than the first three it's options. That's right? exactly, exactly. Um, your response could be hell yes. Okay. Could it could be hell yes? Where do I schedule? Or it could be tell me more. Yeah, it's a lot but, more but, effective. But you're more it? likely to get that. So now we've done the networking piece. Now let's move into client attraction. You instead of having some get to know you conversation, the getting to know you is you do an interview together. You have a great conversation. Each of your audiences gains mutual benefit because you're both going to share that episode. And then you're going to have time in the green room. And that green room could be a conversation about scheduling a follow-up call. It could be about potentially doing business. It could be, hey, I see you have a show too. Would you like me to return the favor? Could be a lot of different things. But that is a conversation. But that is a, a relationship accelerator. So now we've covered networking and client attraction, celebrity expert branding. All right. So you have a podcast. You have a dedicated website for that podcast, a dedicated website that's specifically about that podcast so you can use it to attract sponsorship. 
and you syndicate those episodes out to 20 different platforms so that you begin to dominate search engines for certain key phrases and naturally your name and your guest names when you structure the post properly, by the way, because I've actually done that. I've actually dominated some of my guest search engine marketing just by how I promote my podcasts. And that's something I teach. That's something I teach our reachers. But the bottom line is people see you have a podcast. They see you're putting out content. They see you're talking about that thing that you do the most. And they see that you're hanging out with other influencers, movers, and shakers. There's your celebrity expert branding within your niche. A reacher wants those things and understands that getting a million listeners and downloads is a result of that, not a goal. That's who we serve. Do you know why that approach I would love to hear your thoughts on why that approach you just mentioned is so much more effective than the first three. Uh, my 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 thoughts on that. Yeah. In terms of in terms of uh, when you do the initial outreach and say, "Hey, want to be on my podcast?" Yeah. It's real simple. I'm giving, not taking. Yeah. I'm leading with reciprocity, not asking for reciprocity, and that's what I tell our reachers. It's um, if you really want to connect with somebody, put what's in it for them as the first station that you play for them as soon as you open a conversation. If you want to pitch your stuff, give them something and they'll probably listen to your pitch just, you know, just because they feel they owe you. And even if that's their initial thought is, hey, you know, uh, Sean gave me his time. I'll hear what he has to say. That's your chance. So I, I love it, Adam. And, you know, I immediately thought of The Go-Giver by Bob yes, Berg. Bob Berg. I, yeah, I, I don't books. know. Yeah, I don't know Bob all that well, but I did share a stage with him once. Yep. And I had a couple conversations. He's a really good guy. Yep. So that's right in line with that methodology. Number two is you're, you're activating the law of reciprocity, which is such a powerful thing. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Let's come back to websites here. And I think we have about 20 minutes left here. Time flies when you're having a blast. Why don't most websites work? Well, I think we may have just covered that. Uh (laughs) I I think, you know, oftentimes it's, we're talking too much about ourselves. We're putting way too much content, way too much clutter. You know, it looks like a, a, an old cluttered closet, right? Yes. We're, we're, we're literally confusing and losing our visitors because there's just so much stuff. Your website is not meant to feel like you're walking into a Target or a Walmart where there's a hundred different aisles and it's option overload and you get overwhelmed. Right. Your website is meant to be, you know, focused curb appeal for your business. Yeah. It's all the website is, you know, there's a lot of, you know, web people who think websites are the end all be all. They're not. It's simple curb appeal for your business. And all you need to do is to minimize those slivers of doubt in your visitor's mind. So when you clean it up and you focus it and you provide that empathy and it's not so cluttered, you give them a much better focused experience and they'll appreciate Mm -hmm. that. Right. Yeah. So let me so let me explain to you why I just took a five minute segue to basically pitch the podcast reach system here. Um, number one, it's my show and I'm allowed. But number two, <laughs> and actually I would I might call this number one A is, and this is something I teach our reachers is, and this goes back to your stuff about story branding, storytelling, etc. I train our reachers, especially those who bring up one of the objections of podcasting, which is why would I interview other people because then I'm putting the spotlight on them and it's not about me anymore. Well, 
see what I just did? I used a tactic called seed-based marketing, where all I was actually doing on the surface, and again, I'm pulling back the curtain here for my listeners and yours. I'm pulling back the curtain here. And what I did is I branded myself by simply having a conversation with you. I didn't say, hey, Sean, you interested in podcasting? Let me give you my pitch. I took something that you gave me and I naturally inserted what I do did in a manner that provided social proof and credentialization to your point. Yeah. And, uh, yep. and, the th- and, the, and the thing I wanted to bring and, and where this all really comes from is uh, your comments about the empathy way back where I said that, um, where I said that, yeah, I actually do plan to go back and look at my websites and make sure I'm effectively telling this story because I may not be, I may be in that tunnel right now. So there's a possibility in a couple of weeks, there may be an overhaul of my websites. <laughs> and what's so bad about that when you have the mastermind experience and masterminds master each other's minds? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So I can tell you what doesn't work when it comes to website marketing. And this is from my book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy. I had this one client back when I was a website vendor and they had seven different sales letters on their websites. So already... Rather than that one thing, now we're getting to seven different things. Now, granted, a couple of these sales letters were basically the same sales letter, just um, just reworded for different niches and things like that. But still, probably should have been seven different websites. Uh, and every week, they would come to us with this massive amount of edits. And some of it was like really trite stuff like bold this word using the color gold or other stuff like that, hmm. that really people don't care about. And then they would complain about our invoices. They say, oh, that's too high. I'm not paying for this. And by the way, I'm speaking with this other firm. And they say they'll only charge that. And I would say, cool, work with them. So they would. And then that other firm would leave them high and dry because that other firm was undercharging. And, uh, then, it, and then that client would come back to us and beg for our help. And I'd say, okay. Would bail their chestnuts out of the fire? Would send the invoice and then complain about it again? And so on and so forth. See what was happening is every single is a every single time they posted anything about their business on social media and somebody gave helpful quote unquote constructive criticism, they would immediately assume that they themselves have been doing it wrong all along and had to make these changes immediately. Because believe me, all these massive amounts of changes were always urgent. Sure. And finally, I said to this person, you know, you complain about our invoices, you complain about these other firms that you're trying to replace us with transparently, which I shouldn't even sit here for. And, uh, and, uh, then you think that the world's out to get you and you say, I'm going through all this stuff. My website's not making any money and nobody's telling me the right thing to do and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I finally said, you know, you would probably have more success and overall be a more pleasant person to work with if you would spend less time editing your website and more time promoting it. Hmm. Well, they went out of business shortly after, and I really couldn't help that. What kind of clientele were you working with, Adam? Like, who, who is the target market? Well, I didn't have a target market, as I mentioned earlier. This was referrals from my alliance partners. Okay. And, that, and that's another thing. This and this is another thing. And this is where I think website vendors themselves put themselves in situations where the entrepreneurs and their clients end up making costly mistakes. Is I see too many website vendor type companies and even digital marketing firms whose entire business is spent on having a few high-level referral partners who will send them all their clients. So then what happens is that's 
mastermind leader will refer everybody in their mastermind. And then next thing you know, you feel obligated to take every single referral they give you because then here's what comes up. Uh, you have one that shows up on your doorstep and you know they're an absolute lemon and you're not going to be able to help them. And you say, thanks, but no thanks. Then they complain to their mastermind leader and their mastermind leader complains to you and says, you know, I'm sending you all these referrals. I'm basically building your business for you. And how's this going to make me look when I have to hear that you would work with this person, but not with this person? Sure. And then sure. you end and then you end up taking it on. And then it becomes a really costly mistake for that entrepreneur because they are so besought into doing what their coach told them to do rather than taking their coach's guidance as coaching and using it to build their own decision that they'll spend money on you where by rights they shouldn't be your client to begin with. Sure. And to yeah, me, so that, what's to the me, moral of the huge, story, right? The moral is diversify huge, your lead yeah, flow. Yeah. Exactly. Diversify diversify your lead flow and have uh, and if you accept referrals, great. But make sure that you also have enough of your own thing going on that if those referrals went poof or you decided that referrals, that referral partners' referrals were just more than you even cared to deal with anymore and you cut them off, you wouldn't have any problems. That's right. That's right. Yep. So yep, that's you, good guidance. Yeah. And let me tell you something else that doesn't work. Uh, I had one of these referrals, and this was actually a very small project. It was just simply building an opt-in page. And so we built the opt-in page uh, using everything we knew about how you know landing pages are converted back in the, the year 2012. And they said, okay, this is great. I have a little bit of feedback for you. And they went to my schedule and they booked a call with me. Well, what it turned into is they wanted to sit there with me for 20 minutes and literally measure the number of millimeters between their text and their headshot. And the number of millimeters that the drop shadow was and whether it should be 12 points or 14 point font and all that and change the color of blue slightly and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm in this call. I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing here? And you do have some horror stories. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 at the end, the, at the end of that, they said, oh yeah, oh, thank you so much. You're so awesome. And I'm going to tell all my friends, that I'm going to get them all to work with you. And I, I couldn't help myself. I blurted out, please don't. <laughs> Because, you know, birds of a feather, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Tell et cetera. them to leave their tape measures at home. Yeah. Here's the point. I never heard from or about that person again. Now, this is not a criticism of them. It's actually a statement of a costly mistake that entrepreneurs make is they get so hung up on those tiny little details that they won't even launch their site or they'll keep coming back to this stuff that nobody cares about. Um, I'll tell you another story about Jim Palmer and uh, bear in mind that I've uh, spoken on stage at every single one of his Dream Business Academy events. He's been my coach for 12 years and he's also been my client for 16 years. Um, he uh, Back in the days before Apple uh, took away Flash and it, you know Flash went away, remember those, um, those little animated videos where you could have the person film themselves speaking and then it would jump all over the page and it'd yep. drag you along? Okay, and uh, my friend Charlie McDermott used to be in that business. And it was called Standout Video. Uh, Charlie worked with Jim to create Jim's Standout Video thing, where he'd be jumping all over his sales letter. Now, this was back in the days when people actually thought that Internet Explorer Six was a search engine, yeah, or or was a browser rather. Browser, yeah. Uh huh. And uh, you remember we had to. You remember back in the day we had to write special CSS just for Internet Explorer Six. Yeah. Well, for some reason. On one of the buttons on Jim's sales letter, his foot 
on his little animation was three millimeters away from the button it was supposed to land on when he jumped. And, um, and, and, and if Jim's listening right now, he will laugh at this because he and I have uh, shared drinks and guffawed over this anyway. Um, and uh, he wouldn't move forward because he insisted that his foot be perfect on Internet Explorer 6. And it got to the point where this was actually costing me money to deal with. And I said, look, uh, here's what I need you to do right now. Give me a list of everybody who said, or let me put it this way. Here's what I actually said. Give me a list of everybody who's already given you their credit card number to process as soon as you fix the issue of your foot not landing exactly on the button in Internet Explorer 6. And he wrote back to me with this thing about, um, you know, I don't know what this stuff about Bill Gates and Internet Explorer is all about, but I think it's reasonable that my foot should land on a button and everything else, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> And um, it's in the, in the other reason it's okay for me to say this is because at a few of these Dream Business Academy events, Jim introduced me by telling the story, and here's how he explained it. He said, you know, I was kind of upset with Adam that day for two reasons. Number one, because I thought that it was an incredibly disrespectful way to treat a client. And number two, because I knew he was right. Hmm. And Jim has exploded. I mean, he's huge. Uh and that was also an example. Sometimes the coach needs to hear the coaching. Uh, yeah. I was actually just trying to help him and say, you know what? 9% of the world uses the Internet Explorer 6. Everybody knows it's a joke. And, it's, uh, and chances are the people that are going to pay for your high ticket offer are using Internet Explorer 8 anyway. This is a non-issue. There's exactly one person in the world who cares about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you're worried about that and you're worried about measuring millimeters from your headshot and stuff like that, you're making a huge costly mistake. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. So I'm not, so I'm not critic. So again, with, with Jim, I mean, as I say, he's one of my really good friends, my, one of my longest clients. I've been in this mastermind for 12 years. I swear, I swear on my life by this guy. Uh, but I was able to help him there. And that woman who insisted on measuring millimeters from her headshot, she's not a bad person. I can't remember her name, but I'm sure she's good. But the thing is, is, she was just not at the point in her evolution where she could see that she was making a costly mistake. And sometimes, and this is the question I have for you that I'll get to in a second, is people need help understanding the costly mistakes they're making. So if you have a client for your web vendor firm, your web development firm, and you know they're making a costly mistake and they're just not hearing it, what do you do? Yeah, I think it's just important to remind people, you know, there's a big difference between revenue generating activities and non-revenue generating activities. And I know from personal experience that, you know, I've been there. I've been that person who sweats over, you know, five pixels on a screen. Yeah. And I think it's just a good reminder that, you know, we, we all need to get out of our comfort zones and, and, and take action that actually moves the needle. I mean, oftentimes what I find with myself, with my team, with my clients is, you know, when we're struggling over an issue that, big picture doesn't necessarily matter. It's usually because we're just procrastinating. You know, yeah. We don't want to like get out there and get outside of our comfort zone and do things that truly move the needle. Um, so I usually just a gentle reminder, you know, is what I'll typically do. And I think another good reminder is the fact that the website, you know, all, frankly, all things digital, uh, Adam, it's all fluid. So it's not like we're printing a thousand hard copies of this website. You know, this website can be edited over time. It can be changed whenever you'd like it. 
So right. it doesn't have to be 100%. Now I'm not suggesting that you launch a website that's not perfect or that has, you know, grammatical errors and, you know, punctuation mistakes all over it. I'm not certainly not recommending that. It better look professional, but right. Um, you know, if you if there's something that you don't necessarily have just yet and you want it on the website, don't hold up the website because the FAQ section is missing or because of a, you know, photo that you haven't taken of yourself yet. Um, I see a lot of times, you know, clients delay projects due to some small things like that. And we always have mm-hmm. to remember that this is the web. This can be updated, improved upon, you know, it's a continuation of improvements over time. And what you do today, it's what, what's the old saying, um, done is better than perfect. Yes. So we all have to remind ourselves that, you know, forward progress is a lot more meaningful and will create that compound effect over time versus stagnation and staying in the comfort zone and not doing anything, not launching or not, you know, updating that profile on LinkedIn or whatever it is. Um, it's a lot easier to stay in your comfort zone. And I think that's why a lot of people struggle to, to your point earlier with some of these small things. It's like, you should probably be focusing on something else, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, have so much wisdom and experience built in that brain, like go serve, like go make a difference, go do your thing, yeah. add value uh-huh. versus being comfortable behind your computer screen, nitpicking something apart. Now, hopefully, you know, something is, is hopefully it is something as small as, you know, a millimeter or two or a pixel or two. We we've both seen some pretty, um, pretty disgusting websites. Oh in yeah. Day, I'm sure. Right. Uh-huh. So, well, first of all, I have a very similar phrase. It goes along with what you just said. A website, it's, it, it's, it's a website, not 10,000 printed brochures in a box. Right. You're not stuck with it. That's if, right. Uh, if you need to make a change tomorrow, you log in to make the change. It's no big deal. Uh, second, I argue that everybody should rebrand every three years. Now that doesn't mean take everything you've done and throw it away. It just simply means make a shift. Maybe you change the name a little bit. Maybe you update the logo or whatever. The reason you do it is is two things. Number one, it allows you to incorporate subsequent learnings into what you're doing. It allows you to shift with the market to reposition what you're already doing in such a way that it meets current conditions. And it also gives you the opportunity to reintroduce yourself to the audience because there's nothing more exciting than a launch. Even if it's just the same thing over again, and even if it's just an aesthetic update or a we've, or we've updated our product, we've updated our service, what have you relaunch every three years. Yeah. And then somebody else who was on our show, I can't remember who it was, but they also made a really good point that you don't have to like completely rip down and rebuild your website every three years either is you can make the changes as you go. So if you want to do a new logo, do a new logo. Doesn't mean you have to do the whole website. If you want to change the font, change the font. Doesn't mean you have to redo the whole website. If you want to take your nine offers and combine them into one or make one the centerpiece and put the eight in the other category, do that uh, and just do it incrementally. So it's not a big deal and it's not an overwhelming thing. It's a continuous development thing. And it also is it also creates many launches that allow you to give you stuff, more stuff to talk about with your your business. And finally, I'm going to uh, cite Larry Wingett, who is also a friend of mine who's been on the Business Creators Radio Show, author of um, enchanting books like Grow a Pair and Your Kids Are Your Own Damn Fault and other exciting titles, which is why I read everything that he puts out like a, like a sponge. Um, <laughs> somebody told Larry that his book was ugly. 
Now this now they they went up to New York Times bestseller, um, featured guest expert on a hundred cable shows, Larry Wingett, and said your book is ugly. And you know what his response was? But it got your attention. My ugly book is better than yours. It isn't done yet. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm talking about grow a pair and your kids your own damn fault and uh, some of his other enchanting titles <laughs> and uh, and uh, that person who said his book was ugly, who's that? Even he didn't say. <laughs> I mean, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so that that goes back to the point. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just really has to be good. And, and then the final point I'm going to make is that website that you're agonizing over today. You may have to rebuild, rebuild in three years anyway, because technology may evolve. If you build a website in 2006 and really thought it was going to be here in 2022, well, you didn't know that smartphones were going to become computers. You didn't know that mobile compatibility was going to be a thing. You didn't know that Apple was going to change its interface and effectively kill Flash. You didn't know that browsing behaviors and attention spans from a neuroscience perspective, we're going to change as dramatically as they have. You didn't know how open to the masses social media, websites, and marketing were going to become. I call it the, I call it the democratization of information dissemination. You didn't know that because it didn't exist. Mm. So, when, so if you're excessively agonizing over something right now, thinking this has to be perfect, bear in mind something that nobody knows about yet because it doesn't exist yet has a good chance of standing it on standing it on its head that's right like here in 2022 which is when we're having this conversation if i if i um were to assume that the podcast reach system will still be here in 2025 that's actually a pretty broad assumption or at the website i built for it will be here in 2025 that's also a pretty broad assumption chances are It'll be a different website. And there's also the possibility that we'll have changed the name by then, even if I'm still in that business. Yeah, hard to predict, right? Just wait till they yep. come out with triangular screens. Then we'll see how our websites look. That's gonna be that's gonna be something. Uh, and and remember, televisions originally had round screens. Who knows if we go back to that? Because eventually everything old is new again. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so, so oh, now God, have, God help us. So now we're going to have, so then we would have to create uh, websites that are compatible for both round and square screens. Oh, oh, you thought, you thought that making your, uh, your site look right on your Android was something. <laughs> right. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> God help us all. Right. Yeah. So overall, so overall, I think we've covered a lot of great costly mistakes throughout our conversation here. And um, yeah, I really appreciate our conversation. It's been Awesome, a uh, little chance to commiserate and vent myself, and uh, also to educate through storytelling. And I love your approach. I think you're, I think you're a lot of fun to uh, speak with, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, what I'd like to do here is, as we wrap up, just uh, give you a moment. I know your website is located at www.savvyproweb.com, and it's a great website. And just tell us a bit about uh, how people can connect with you and what they have to look forward to when they do. Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to our website, I appreciate you mentioning it. Uh, We have something called a website opportunity cost calculator for for our clients. Anyway, Adam, it's really hard for people to, you know, wrap their brains around, well, what is this website actually costing us? 
as far as what was sort of opportunity costs. Like they, mm-hmm. our clients know that they're missing out on incalculable amounts of opportunity. So we built a tool to help them simply, you know, within five minutes, discover what that could possibly look at like, and then also what the ROI might look like if they invest in a new one. That's on the website, free to grab there. Uh, also, I'm active on LinkedIn. So you can certainly find me at LinkedIn by searching my name, Sean Rosenstiel. Yep. And it's, it's been a pleasure, Adam. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Sean Rosenstiel, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor, a pleasure, and believe me, an education. Likewise. Appreciate you. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.